our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And my name is Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. All right. I am the ex-Christian, and I am reading the New International Version, or NIV, of the Bible. And I am the non-believing sort of Jew, and I am reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. Nor is it appropriate for children. And today we're talking about Paul's Epistle to the Galatians. So, when I see the word Galatians, Mm -hmm. I think of many more interesting things. For example, I, I get this impression that it's actually Paul versus the Galacticans. Oh, the Galacticans. Or the Galaxians uh-huh. or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, Paul versus the Galacticans. Now we're talking, now we're talking a Bible story. Do you know what the word, the etymology of the word galactic is? Galactic. No, mm-hmm. I don't. Lacked like milk because it's the Milky Way. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So Paul's... Was that a bonus etymology corner? Yeah, that one is a spontaneous etymology corner. Paul is fighting... I'm so sorry. It normally never happens. Breastfeeding mothers. Mm-hmm. That would be a good Bible book. Paul versus breastfeeding? He seems to hate the shit out of women, he so... He probably would be, like, really have some weird views about it. Um, but in any case, I'm going to give you some fast facts, and I just got to warn you that they're not going to be fast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep for four minutes. Okay. So we're back to the Pauline epistles. These are the open letters by the Apostle Paul written to different churches that he helped found all over the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. We've been doing some apocryphal books lately. We're back to the regular Bible for this episode. This is climbing back in the canon. (laughs) Shoot me to space, baby. Shoot me to space. This One is written to the Galatians, and so Galatia was a region in what is now Turkey. And I've done some research on scribes. How does that not surprise me? I read another Bart Ehrman book. (laughs) He has like 20 of them, but I've only read like six. And this one was called Misquoting Jesus. And, you know, we were talking in our um, episodes on 1st and 2nd Corinthians about Sosthenes and Timothy and... Uh, wondering to what extent they were editing or co-authoring or transcribing. Ah, uh, yes, Paul's those work. inky-fingered interpreters of history. Yes. So it turns out that a nobody knows, like to what degree mm. they had an influence, and b that's especially problematic for the epistle to the Galatians 
because Galatia isn't one city, it's a region. Mm. So there's more than one church there. Um, so we don't know if there were multiple copies made, if they were supposed to pass one copy around through the whole region. Mm. Um, like one of your doobies. <laughs> one of your mm, blunts. And Paul probably wrote the letter around the year 50, but the oldest version that we have is from the year 200. Mm. So there was 150 years of probably like multiple copies being passed down in multiple places. And basically we can't really be sure what was in the originals or if the originals were even consistent with each other, if mm -hmm. there was more than one made originally. Um, scribes could have made a lot of changes, um, especially because during this time in the early church, the scribes usually weren't professionals. So the person dictating, taking dictation from Paul was a professional, mm -hmm. but the people copying it were usually not. They were just people in the church who happened to be able to read and write. Mm. But this is like who has a has a van and can take us exactly, to the next yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but as we were talking about a little bit last episode, literacy was a very different thing back then. Mm. Um, so A, as we mentioned, very few people could read it all. Like the most optimistic estimate is like 10% of the population in the Roman Empire. And B, like you were considered literate if you just could recognize the letters of the alphabet. Mm. So scribes often knew the alphabet and they could copy the letters, like letter for letter. Right. But they couldn't necessarily read words. So they couldn't necessarily tell if they were getting things wrong or not. Really illustrates, and this may sound uh, hopelessly nerdy, but <laughs> the magic of the written word. No, it really is. It's like, it's crazy that it's something that we can take for granted you know that it, we can put words together in sentences and then like understand and, whole pieces of the yeah. sentence as a as a unit as opposed to just like individual letters turning into words and that we know that like humans like virtually all humans have the capacity to do that mm -hmm. you know but like they didn't know that back then it was really impressive to just be able to know your abcs you know mm. um the other thing is when we're talking about non-professional scribes in the church they are probably part of some tradition that's against a different tradition and they may ha be like sort of politically motivated to change, to make changes. Um, so maybe Paul says that women and men are equal, but then some scribe at some point in those 150 years is like, mm, we'll just leave that line out. Mm. So yeah, that's why it's, it's crazy that Christians, especially Protestants, base their beliefs on the Bible because <laughs> we actually don't have the original text of anything in the New Testament. Sure. Um, and that's particularly true of this book, Galatians. It's kind of crazy that Paul was like out in Turkey founding churches at like 50 AD. Yes. He was everywhere. He was in Malta getting bit by snacks. Mm -hmm. Nasty snacks. So should we start with, uh, should we start with chapter one of the epistle to the galatians why do we start with the end of chapter six and not talk about this book at all i'm afraid we've committed to talking about this book for approximately an hour oh good i was just kidding in fact this is going to be an entertaining and informative podcast so we start with the standard introduction my name is paul and i'm a christaholic mm -hmm. then we jump straight into the scolding and guilt tripping it says meanwhile Millions of light years away on the planet of Galactica, <laughs> trouble is brewing. The very first line of the body of the letter. 
is, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Mm. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to prevent the gospel of Christ. So the basic structure of this is Paul was over there founding some churches. Yeah. Then Paul leaves and he gets wind that they may not be doing everything exactly as he said when he left. And presumably this he left like five years before. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how it works back then. It takes a long time to get places. Yeah, it takes like six months just to get there. Right. I mean, anyway, are we going to talk about what they're doing now or are we going to talk about what they're doing later <laughs> and by what they're doing now i mean what they were doing then now um or are we going to talk about what they were doing then later well i if i understood the timeline that you're talking about i would answer that question but since i don't i'm just going to keep going with what paul says and what paul says is that he's working in god's name and fulfilling god's wishes And other people who might be instructing them otherwise aren't. And his quote-unquote proof that he has a unique connection to God. Oh, he gives his apostolic bona fides. (laughs) He had this vision on the road to Damascus. So he was converted to Christianity directly by God. He never met the Christ. There was no human middleman to mess things up. Or even semi-human. Like he's now messing things up for everyone else (laughs) as a human middleman. (laughs) Oh, he gives a little background about his religious upbringing. Yes. And this is apparently, according to the notes, this is as much biographical information as we ever get about Paul. Okay. Directly from the source. I don't know that for sure, but this is just what I've been told. He says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, but I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. So he basically says, I was a really advanced Jew. Mm -hmm. I was a high-level Jew. I was more advanced than other Jews of my same age, Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck that means. He was like level 18. He He had already picked a prestige class. Level 18 Jew. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) he was killing Christians, and then he converted and... Even he's even better than Peter and Jesus's brother James, because like he hung out with them and like whatever, like he was just as Christian as they were. <laughs> but James was converted by God Himself or something along well, those James lines. Is, the James he's talking about is Jesus's brother, right? But James was converted by Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, which is, is God that Himself. Sort of right. Sort of. So is that, in in Paul's mind, I guess, it's best if God just strikes you with a lightning bolt off your horse and, like, is like, you're converted now. Yeah. That's, if you don't have scales on your eyes, does it really count? Not in his estimation. He also disavows, like you said, human interlopers in spreading the word of the Savior, which is exactly what he does. Which is exactly what he is. Um, He talks about how he went to Jerusalem 14 years into his ministry. To meet with Peter, James, and John. Um, And Peter, again, is like the top disciple. He was like Jesus' number one favorite disciple. 
Um, the disciples, James and John, were in the top three, but I think the James he's talking about is Jesus' brother, not the disciple. Um, but regardless, the point is he went to Jerusalem and met with like the top Christians who actually knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he like ran his spiel by them. And he says, this is a direct quote, their approval or disapproval makes no difference to me because he knows that he's sanctioned by the Lord. And he's like, but they did give me the thumbs up and they said I should keep trying to convert Gentiles and they would work on converting Jews. And he says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Mm -hmm. So just pointing out in the earliest church, there were conflicts about everything except helping the poor. Mm. Um, And I'm I'm curious about that because if that needs to be said so explicitly, the temptation must have been there to focus on the rich, right? Sure. I mean, presumably because the richer the converts, the richer the church. Right. They can fund all your trips to Turkey. <laughs> Somebody's paying for it. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting that they're still trying to balance the uh, material growth of the church with the spiritual growth of it. Yes. And but they're doing this like, you know, 15 years after Jesus died. Uh, yeah. Or probably even earlier. Yeah. Um, and even though he paints this picture of Jerusalem as being everything went great, you know, we we met up and we were just all in agreement. Um, but then like immediately he says that when Peter came to visit him in Antioch, uh, quote, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. And the thing that Peter was clearly in the wrong about was that, according to Paul, he stopped hanging out with Gentiles because he was intimidated by the factions in the church that wanted Christians to follow Jewish law, in particular, getting circumcised. Mm. And he says, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So. This reiterates uh, the view that we've seen in previous Pauline epistles that following God's law doesn't save you. Just Jesus's sacrifice is the only thing that can save you. Right. And your faith in it specifically. Yeah. And your faith in it. Um, And as we've also seen in previous Pauline epistles, he uses some circular logic to prove this. I mean, Uh, it's more ovular. (laughs) It says, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Well, guess what, Paul? <laughs> People die for nothing every day. <laughs> yeah. The baby Jesus killed a few of them, as we learned in the last yeah. apocryphal gospel. Or at least people thought it was okay, I guess, if he did. People thought it was awesome, apparently. <laughs> and I know I'm not supposed to mix apocrypha and canon, mm-hmm. but Canon-all. it's... <laughs> but it's a thousand times more interesting when you do. <laughs> um. So he continues this tirade against his against his interlocutors that that we see in so many Pauline epistles. Mm. Um, the whining, the kvetching. Yeah, uh-huh. you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> That's good though. You foolish Galatians, <laughs> Gal- Galicia? No, not Galicia. That's a, in Spain. These are Galatians. Yeah, but or Galacticans. But mm-hmm. can I? Can I zip into the etymology corner for a second? Uh, how long are you going to spend there? Uh, I'll try and keep it under like 
20, 25 minutes. You got it, baby. Okay. Nothing but tape here. Do you know why it's called Galatia? Uh, no, I don't. It was named after the Gauls, mm. a.k.a. the Celts. Nowadays, we think of Gaelic and Celtic stuff as being from Ireland, or at least we do in America. Sure. Really, I think I think of Caesar's conquest of the Gauls in France. Well, so that's the same thing. So at 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 one point, the Gauls controlled everything in Europe. Mm. So like from Galatia in Turkey in the east to Portugal in the west, which is named after the Gauls. Galicia in Spain is named after the Gauls. F- calling things in f- like the name for France Gaul, like Charles mm-hmm. de Gaul, calling things Gallic, same thing, and of course goes all the way up north to the British Isles where they speak Gaelic. Mm. Um, so anytime you hear anything about Gaelic or Celtic stuff, it is not exclusive to Ireland. It is all of Europe, including areas that ended up in the Bible like like uh, Galicia. And in fact, when St. Jerome was writing commentary about Paul's epistle to the Galatians, okay. the subject of this very episode. What are the odds? Um, he remarked that in Galatia, they spoke Greek and a Gaelic language, just like people in Belgium. Mm. Because to him, that was like the go-to reference for Gaelic stuff, Belgium. Yeah, the capital of the Gaelic Empire. Yep. So it was like everywhere. It was everywhere. I don't know if that's true. I mean, that wouldn't sell as well if you couldn't see my facial expression. <laughs> Which looked very dubious indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so yeah, uh, getting back in the regular corner now which is what I call the middle of the room. But Galicia and Galatians are named after the same uh, people. So, and in fact, my mistake makes me a better and writer person. Correct. Yes, I knew it. Even when I was wrong, I knew I was right. (laughs) I'm a white man. (laughs) Gum and nuts together at last. (laughs) Um, So Paul keeps ranting and raving about how people don't have to follow Jewish law. They just have to believe in Jesus. Which apparently it's interesting because the Galatians are Gentiles. They're not Jews. Um, they're descended from Gauls. So this is what I wanted to talk about. The The thing that they're falling under the sway of mm-hmm. is some segment of Christianity that's like, oh, you got to follow the Torah, too. Yeah, because, well, they're like, OK, we're following the Jewish Messiah mm-hmm. foretold in the Jewish scriptures. Sure. Um. So presumably we should like follow the same customs that Jesus followed, mm. celebrate the same holidays that he celebrated. Except where he explicitly said, you know, don't do this one or don't do that one. Right. Sure. But I mean, like he celebrated Passover. He did celebrate Passover. And uh, that other one, too. Yeah, uh, the other fest- one. The Festival of Weeks, Pentecost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he celebrated it by shooting right up to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> On a rainbow of sunshine. <laughs> It ends with this very interesting verse, this chapter, chapter three. Um, You are all sons of Christ Jesus, for all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. A nice sentiment. It is a very egalitarian and Um, radical thing to say. Contradicts some of the stuff. In 1 Corinthians about how women are subservient to men. Well, he was talking to just the men. (laughs) It's implied when he he uh, paid attention to them. He says there's neither male nor female. Um, So Bart Ehrman, St. Bart, um, thinks that this stuff was probably added into 1 Corinthians Mm. 
by politically motivated scribes later on. Really? Um, and that the original was probably more like this verse in Galatians, which is more ambivalent about women. That's just basically like. Well, even in First Corinthians, they were um, inconsistencies, was, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a, per- uh, a portion of the text that said it was that referred to women praying in church and another one that said they women were expressly forbidden to. Yeah. So he says the the thing about them being forbidden to pray was probably added later and that it's more likely that it was originally something more ambivalent like this, which mm. is basically saying like when we're all resurrected on Judgment Day and sorted into wicked and righteous. Everybody's just smooth like a Ken doll. Yeah. Everybody's just souls. There's no human identities, mm. um, which is on the one hand, like you said, egalitarian um, and certainly less misogynistic than like. Well, if they have a question, they should just ask their husbands when they get home. Um, As long as their hair is long enough. Right. (laughs) But it's also something that I don't like about Christianity, Hmm. which is its focus on what's going to happen to you personally after you die. Right. I prefer, as weird as this sounds to say, the Old Testament idea that you should like be righteous and do good in your life now. Mm -hmm. Of course, my idea of what doing good is is very different from the Old Testament's, but... um, But it very... I mean, Ecclesiastes, for example, doing good is like working hard and taking care of your family and your community. Yeah. I mean, but also like you can't like have sex. (laughs) Hey, you know, you dip in here. Yeah, you know, you make some, you lose some. Get a little from there, you know? It's it's right next to uh, Song of Solomon in the text, after all. That's true. So this same phrase where he says there is no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Yeah. So this is part of his strange train of reasoning where he hitches together all of these wagons. Yes. And expects the and engine just to, expects the straight engine over the Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, as they did on the Iron Buffalo, as it was called <laughs> then. But um he jumps through these logical hoops to connect all of the covenants together. Um, and then says that since Jesus promised that you would be saved if you believed in him mm-hmm. and he was the Jewish Messiah. Mm-hmm. Everybody is an inheritor of those covenants with mm-hmm. the Jews if you believe in Jesus, even though you're, you're not You're supposed following... to reject most of the terms of those covenants right. because the law is worthless. And it's like Abraham's, Abraham's covenant in, involved a lot of talk about dicks. That's true. And, well, I rel- mean, relatively speaking. That was like, yeah, like 30% of it was like about your dick. <laughs> so Paul's assertion that you can ignore the actual terms of those old covenants but get uh-huh. the benefits from them seems a little sketchy to me well it's very dick focused Mm -hmm. and we're gonna talk about that when we come back from our break that sounds great okay bye all right
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we are talking about uh, the epistle to the Galacticans. Written by Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Paul the Amazing Colossal Apostle. And we are seeing in this epistle... You have to admit that Saul of Tarsus does sound like a sci-fi name already. That's true. It does. I'm Saul of the planet Tarsus. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see him going up against the Galacticans. Mm -hmm. But... The Epistle to the Galatians is much like the other epistles that we've seen in that it revolves it's largely around guilt trips. Mm -hmm. So we're halfway through the book. There's six chapters. We're, we're coming back in at chapter four. And chapter four starts, Now that you know God, how is it you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. See, this is a rookie mistake on Paul's part. People like to celebrate holidays, you, Paul. They gotta have holidays. And Jesus fucking observed Jewish holidays. And Christians established their own holidays. Chill out. Let people do their holidays. Let people do a day of atonement. It doesn't mean that they can't believe in like atonement through Jesus. It's a good point. You just gotta, you just gotta adapt. Yeah, Christianity's greatest uh, ability in Western history yeah. has been its ability to adapt. To adapt, to take holidays and pretend they're Christian. Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't realize this. Yeah, then he goes in this very strange metaphor about Abraham and the covenants, which you alluded to before the break, which is just like Abraham had two children. Well, at first he had two children anyway. Uh, one with the slave woman as Paul calls her, a.k.a. the handmaid, Hagar. Mm. And that was Ishmael. And they had him in what Paul calls the ordinary way, because he can't say the word sex. <laughs> the other child, of well, course... Well, the problem is, of course, since he's using a scribe, <laughs> if he starts talking about sex stuff, they have to charge extra. They have to charge extra. Because they're like, oh, you didn't tell me this was a dirty letter. You know, I'd have to charge my dirty rates for that. And you know they were sending dirty <laughs> letters back then. Oh, I mean, there's no question. Um, the, the other child that That's Abraham... Th that theory is based on nothing and is 100% right. Oh, they, look, they've been sending dirty letters. Any, as soon as we developed writing, I'm sure the first thing that we wrote was fucking porn. It was like sex, sex, sex boobs. Yeah, it know? was like, I had three sheep and I had sex with all of them. <laughs> anyway, the other child that Abraham had was with his wife, Sarah, a free woman. And that was Isaac, and they had him through a miracle. I mean, I guess also sex, but also a miracle because they were supposed to be too old to have kids. And Paul says Jews are like Ishmael because they're enslaved to the Jewish law. Mm. Like Hagar was enslaved to Abraham and Sarah. Like the Galacticans is and what I was saying. Christians are like Isaac because they are saved by a miracle, like the miracle of Isaac's birth, except this time it's Jesus's death. It's also a huge stretch. I feel... And I'm going to interrupt you again. Please. Because I have a problem with it. Okay. So Paul is telling the Galatians. Uh-huh. Even though Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. And you have accepted Jesus. And I know you want to pay attention to all this old stuff because there's this amazing backstory. And, and Jesus all, paid attention to it and cited it constantly. All of these clear rules you can follow. Yeah. Ignore them. And to justify that, 
Yes. He's going to use a stretched out metaphor from the very text that he's, he's telling, telling them, them to, to ignore. ignore. Yes. Yep. That's Paul. So convincing. He's like, you're you're really up on your Torah, so I know I can I know you'll understand this when I say that <laughs> the Christians are like the free son and <laughs> the Jews are like the enslaved son. It's so bizarre because for someone who believes that following Jewish law is irrelevant to salvation, he's very adamant that they don't follow Jewish law. Mm-hmm. You know, like it should be I mean, he's saying with his words like it doesn't matter if you follow Jewish law or not. What matters is if you believe in Jesus. Right. Isn't isn't the whole like act versus faith thing or yeah. works versus faith that works don't matter? Yes. So, so who cares if you get circumcised? Exactly. So that's what he's saying with his words. But with his tone, he's saying do not follow Jewish mm. law, especially when it comes to the most important possible part of your faith, which is. How much skin you have on your dick. What's your dickhead look like, buddy? Direct quote. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. At all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. What? Why? You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Christians out there listening to this, I hope that you're not circumcised unless you are born Jewish and converted to Christianity. Because mm. otherwise, um, Christ is alien to you. Uh, and then and then Paul ends this dick rant by saying, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So why don't you fucking relax about what other people are doing with their very own God-given anatomical penises? Hmm. Right? I agree. He seems to be talking at cross purposes with himself. Here. And then he says that he wishes the agitators, hmm. who are apparently convincing like everyone in Turkey to get circumcised... <laughs> Um, he says he wishes they would, quote... To what nefarious end, though? <laughs> he says he wishes they would, quote, go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow. This is the Apostle Paul, whom the Catholic Church venerates as a holy saint, literally saying that his opponents should cut off their own dicks and or balls. That if they're gonna trim up the dickhead, just go all the way. Just go all the way. Spiritually cut, speaking. Cut everything. Mm-hmm. Cut yourself off from Christ. Then there's this whole another rant about, quote unquote, the sinful nature. And uh, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, etc., 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 drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Mine is slightly different. Mine has some some more... Fun and less fun ones than yours. Wow. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, Mm. Mm. envy, drunkenness, carousing instead of orgies, and things like these. I can't believe 
the NRSV got stuck with carousing instead of orgies. Could have been orgies. I mean, carousing you can do every weekend. You can't do an orgy every weekend. I mean, it you can, but it requires a lot of planning. That's a lot of administrative overhead. These are all apparently closely connected with circumcision in Paul's mind. <laughs> once it's, you it's once a slippery you, slope. Yeah. Once you free your dick from his foreskin, it is <laughs> free. Like it has a mind of its own. Yeah. You're never gonna get that cat back in that bag. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> Although there was some talk of re uncircumcision. Yeah, but like they didn't have the surgical technology to do that back then, did they? Baby? I'm no time traveler. Who knows and what they I'm did to no doctor. Back then. <laughs> uh but he says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, yada yada yada. Things that may or may not be impossible to achieve if you're circumcised. Has a, has a circumcised man ever been kind? Who knows? Who can say? Only Doubtful. history knows, but it's very unlikely. Um, Paul briefly veers into some semi-normal common sense advice. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, forgive each other, help each other, stuff like that. But then it goes right back to circumcision. <laughs> Paul is circumcised. He was... He's from a Pharisee family. He mm. was born Jewish. He was raised Jewish. There's no way he's not circumcised. Right? Is he the most, is he the earliest and most famous self-hating Jew? What? Oh my God, he is. Isn't he? Well, he's the, he's the original. Well, not the original, but he's one of the most famous Jews for Christ. The, one of the, yeah. The, the original Jew for Jesus. Jew for Jesus. Thank you. Yeah. I passed by the San Francisco office of Jews for Jesus the other day. Hmm. I was like, whoa, it says it right on the door. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Paul is, is playing out some bizarre psychosexual drama here. Like, why? <laughs> he seems to have really strong feelings about like his own dick that he can't deal with. Hmm. And we decided... Yeah, let's make this like the basis, like one of the main like influences. In let's just, let me society. just get out my big like foundational text stamp and yeah. bam, yeah. stamp it. This is the kind of shit I want. Mm-hmm. Someone who cannot deal with his own dick. <laughs> At the end of the letter, it says, see what large letters I use to write as I write to you with my own hand. Mm. So this this is what some people... Uh, think might point to his thorn in the flesh thorn in the flesh do you remember in in a previous epistle he mentioned i even i have a thorn in in the flesh that god has given me but instead of letting it stop me from spreading the word of jesus to all of these different places uh, instead i just go ahead and do it oh is that his dick no it's not his dick oh some people think it might be his poor eyesight Oh. Possibly scale related. Maybe he didn't get all those scales out of there. Maybe there's some still, still some scales left. He did go blind shortly. Well, I think from what I've read, it probably just means that, you know, he like knew how to read and write technically, but like his handwriting was like shitty. Mm. It was like a little kid's. I see. Because he couldn't, you know, he didn't like practice all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so up until now, a scribe has been writing and then he's like, look, this is me writing. Look at what big letters I do. Yeah. I can't write good. Mm-hmm. Nobody can write good as we all know. Isn't it funny? 
This is observational comedy. This is type five on how hard it is to write letters. <laughs> Everyone you... knows that women be like writing letters and men be like, I also can't write them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and, and of course, the super. Do you want a TV pilot? <laughs> super important message that he needs to convey in his own handwriting is don't get circumcised. It's dumb and I hate it. Okay, bye. End of letter. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. Ew. Just fucking talk about something else. This is the least important thing possible. I agree. Nobody cares except Paul, who cares way too much. Well, I mean, lots of people in the Old Testament cared a lot. Yeah, but he's saying, like, ignore the Old Testament. But this is what he was raised with. He's just internalized all this stuff. But Paul's a complicated character. It's, I mean, he is a complicated character. And I think we are seeing it, it totally makes sense that a human would have these bizarre contradictions mm. and, and self-hatred problems. It's just, why did we make that a holy text? Yeah. Why leave the ministry to this human when you got all these gospels that are all about like this godly dude? Yeah. And Paul didn't even know Jesus. <laughs> but he says he talked to people who did, and it was totally cool. Except that then he got in a fight with them. <laughs> so how cool was it? About circumcision. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, baby. I well, guess, is that the end of the book? That's the end of the book. But we have some time to kill, so I'm going to spring a segment on you. Okay. The segment is called WWPD. Ring me, daddy. I'm sorry. WWPD. What would Paul do? What would Paul do? You've heard of what would Jesus do? You've seen the hemp bracelets with mm-hmm. the beads that say WWJD. But now we're going to think about what would Paul do. Okay. So I'm going to give you a scenario and I'm going to ask, you know, just like an everyday scenario. Okay. And ask what Paul would do in okay. that situation. So you're at the club. <laughs> okay. Sounds unlikely, but and I'll accept it. A woman. Offers to buy you a drink. Mm -hmm. What would Paul do? I mean, there's no way Paul would take the drink. In fact, he would probably hand her some Christian literature and give her a nice, solid lecture on, uh, you know, the state of her soul, is my guess. Uh, Okay, so... get the fuck out of that club. What about... What about... And why was he there in the first place, Paul? Was that a successful... Did I get it right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Thank you. Let's say I need validation. Let's say you're on an escalator. Okay, okay you're getting on an escalator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going down, but somebody gets on right in front of you and stands so that they're blocking the whole thing, and it's just you two on the escalator, mm-hmm. and you're gonna miss your train. Mm. But this guy's just standing there, blocking you. What would Paul do? So Paul, okay, in my mind, Paul is on a holy mission mm-hmm. to somewhere. Mm-hmm. Paul doesn't go anywhere. Unless there's a good reason to go. Uh, probably part of his ministry, I'd imagine. So he's in a hurry. He's not going to miss that train. Because he's only got a certain number of days on this earth to spread the word of Christ. Um, so he's got to lecture that guy. He's got to lecture that guy. Oh, yeah. He's not going to push past him. No, he's definitely not going to push. I'm I'm just thinking he might be like patience, love. Maybe he'd like give him a loving lecture. 
I think it might be one of those fake loving lectures that's actually from like. Trick question. Every every loving lecture is fake. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay, one more. Um, your friend invites you to Passover Seder. What would Paul do? I mean, Paul would definitely turn it down. First of all, because he had no friends. Good point. Second of all, because that's the old stuff. And we're done with the old stuff because Christ is in town now. But can't we still have dinner together? We can have dinner. In fact, you can come by for our... Our Lord's fucking supper. Our Lord's supper. Drink the blood of the Savior. Where we reenact a mini version of Passover every week. (laughs) But we can't do real Passover. Because that's bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to hit me with some uh, some WWPDs? Sure. What would Paul do? Um, you just got your dream job at a new place, but you found out that your ex is going to be your direct superior. Um, am I a woman in this in this situation? You're Paul. This... What would Paul do? Oh, what would Paul do? Yeah. Um. Well, Paul would go above the ex. To the next person in charge and and say, you know, um, she's a woman and um, I noticed that she's not wearing a, a headscarf and I noticed that she's not being uh, submissive to me. So could we just like do a little do a little reorg um, of the chart and just put me above her or I need my own department. <laughs> uh, I need my own department. Uh, where everybody is uncut. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. Paul would do that. He might get away with it too, honestly. <laughs> honestly? That's a total alpha move. Honestly. All right. Um, one, one last one for you. You're going camping with friends. Okay. This I know. It's completely unrealistic. Seems unlikely. But... All right. I'll pretend that I might entertain the notion of camping. You're super prepared. Your tent is great. You've got your own like cooking stove and whatever, but the friends that you came with are woefully unprepared. Uh-huh. Like they only have one sleeping bag. Their tent is a piece of shit and they didn't bring enough food and water and okay. everything like that. Okay. This is easy. First, I asked to see their dicks. Mm-hmm. If they're uncircumcised, we're sharing everything. Hmm. Everything. It's no problem. It's and I mean everything. Everything. It's what mi casa es su casa. And we will all share the same bread and we'll all sleep together with our um, little snuggled up dicks. Except for Paul's, which is circumcised, but he doesn't let anybody know that. If they're, if they're circumcised, uh, nothing. Share nothing. Hmm. It's, Yeah. They have to deal with their own shit. It's their fault. Not and even, not even. They brought this upon themselves. He won't even remember the poor. Are they really poor? In that particular moment, they are. Are they poor? Or are they just poor, poor planners? I mean, a, a poverty of, uh, of intellect. A poverty of foresight is poverty nonetheless. <laughs> I don't think Paul would buy that. Personally, I think that's fair. Okay, I think it's about time we rate this book. I agree. How would you rate this book, my dear? I'm going to give it like two out of like 11 Fruits of the Spirit because it sucks and it's bad. Also, I would say that the quality is not very high. (laughs) 
How about you? <laughs> I, I would give it a similar score. I was actually going to give it a three out of 11 works of the flesh. Okay. Because it's quite poor uh-uh. and I would describe it as not good. <laughs> but in specific, he's trying to make these logical arguments that are like based on the texts that he's trying to tell people not to pay attention to. Yeah. Which is so stupid. Yeah. Such a waste of time. And he goes back and forth, like directly contradicting himself between like circumcision and these Jewish laws don't matter at all. They, they mean nothing. But also they mean everything. And you can't do them even and, though I did them. And of all of the rules in the Old Testament to get hung up about, why pick the one that has actual like no bearing on your life? Well, let's not be too hasty because this was like the number one rule in the Old Testament. I know. I know. But if you're given the chance to look at all of the rules in the Old Testament and pick out a couple that might improve a future society, let's say. I mean, like even the dietary restrictions, I feel like may have had some basis in, you know, like keeping your food. Clean. Yeah, like don't eat shellfish because probably like they were usually like contaminated by the time they reached the desert. Yeah, or whatever. You know, I mean, I feel like there were there might have been useful rules that you don't could pick. eat pigs because like you'll get trichinosis. Maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. Or like have very particular rules about how you prepare your food because food preparation might not be super clean and, and good. And if you want to be healthy, you got to take care of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got to associate it with some like religious OCD. I would much rather eat kosher than like care about how much Dick skin, skin? Was on my genitals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why pick? I mean, it's obviously deeply meaningful to him psychological problems i mean we've had a couple listeners write in and be like oh oh, you know like people like people were in baths all the time and like they saw each other's dicks all the time and so i it must have meant more at that time than it does now Mm. but even still it's just like you could be a good person either way you could be a bad person either way you could and he says that he says that it's meaningless, but then also says that it's like the fucking most meaningful thing ever. Yeah. So when he gives with one hand and takes away with the other, I have to say, this doesn't belong in any kind of Bible that I would care about. Mm. Why would you listen to this guy? Mm-hmm. Especially considering the provenance of it. You know, we don't have original authoritative copies of right. it. It may be interpolated through a bunch of different uh lenses and whatever probably and, is. and it's what it reads like because it's confusing and it's not convincing in any way wouldn't it be crazy if paul was like just a totally normal guy and he was like hey guys like the fruits of the spirit love kindness you know <laughs> and then like <laughs> in the 150 years before we got like our first copy the scribes were like and all the dick skin. <laughs> By the way, your penis. I'm just. Oh, tell- um, I don't know. The, this is the scribes upselling people on the dirty letter rate. Mm, that's what it was. It was all just a money making scheme. They were like, "Oh, what you want? A hundred? Every copies time of the you mention well, the word circumcision, I'm charging an extra fifty denarii." Just to be clear, if I'm writing about dicks, I gotta get paid. And I know you can't read it, but this letter is full is of full dick talk. Full of dicks. So I just cracked the code, which means I give myself 10 out of 10. Congratulations. 10 out of 10 congratulations. But we still have work to do. Specifically, I can see you there in the corner. That's a bulging mailbag. A bulging mailbag. And if we don't pop him, he's going to be real cranky in the morning. 
So a listener, Shane, wrote in. Uh, Shane could be a woman's name, but I'm going to assume that Shane is a man. Um, sorry if I assumed wrong. Shane wrote in to say that he likes the show, but that I, Lauren, say the word like too much. And he says it's a bad habit that he also used to have, so he thought he'd point it out to me. So, something that I've mentioned occasionally on the show is that I love regional accents and idioms. I like the needs washed construction from, from Pennsylvania. As in, the car needs washed. I like the might could construction from the South, as in, you might could get your car washed over there. I myself am from California, and also I am female, and I totally embrace the way that I talk, and I don't consider it a bad habit to say like a lot. I think it's great. I love the rhythm that it creates in a sentence, and I love how playful it is. And I love the way that it lets you create shades of meaning so that I can say, uh, Paul's like obsessed with circumcision. Mm -hmm. And you know that I don't mean it literally, but also I do mean it literally. (laughs) Um, If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I often actually type out the word like in my tweets. Comma, like, comma. It's, you know, kind of a lot of characters for Twitter, but it's a deliberate choice and it's not something I'm just doing out of habit without thinking about it. It's because I actually like it. Um, and I also love uptalk. And I love vocal fry. And I love all these nuances of speech that people criticize women for using, even though men use them too. And I think that most people would not even consider them to be bad habits if society at large didn't use them to criticize women. Because they're very harmless. But... As it stands, most people, men and women, do think of them as bad habits. And when you think of those things as bad habits, you start to notice them more. And then you get distracted by them and you get annoyed by them. Um, But for me, because I don't conceive of it as a bad habit, it doesn't stick out to me. And it's just part of a larger verbal rhythm that I very much enjoy and that I feel very much at home in. So, listener Shane... I appreciate that you're trying to help me kick a bad habit that you also kicked. But actually, I want to challenge you to do an experiment where you spend a week or two trying to think of the word like not as a bad habit, but as a beautiful, natural part of modern language. And after that, you can go back to thinking whatever you want, but I guarantee it will annoy you less. And now we can get to the dogs and cats. Our listener Alex sent us a letter with lots of stories from his Jewish upbringing. It's too long to read, but includes some info about the Santa Cruz Haggadah. Haggadah. I've never been to it. (laughs) AKA a Passover Haggadah coloring book and journal for the evolving consciousness. He also sent us a good dog named Kiva, who was rescued from an abusive home and needs many blessings. Grace and peace to Kiva from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Now, I mean, that's something we can all get behind. (laughs) According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Did I just accidentally pray? Uh, It sounded like you did. (laughs) I don't like that. Uh, Listener Eric wrote in to tell us about growing up Catholic and uh, going to the early church festival, which involved a lot of drinking and gambling. Sounds like my kind of church. Uh, He also sent us a beautiful black cat named Hieronymus to curse. Uh, So here's that curse. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. I warn you as I did before, 
that those who live like Hieronymus will not inherit the kingdom of God. A safe bet. It's a cat. And that does it for Sunday School Dropouts this week. We did it! Congratulations. You made it through. We made it through. We and all made it through together. I think we're all a little richer for it. Yeah, our hearts will never be the same and neither will our dicks. You can follow us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. Same deal on Facebook. Just look for that cool-ass piece of smoking a cigarette. If you have cat dog or other furred or feathered friend that needs blessing or curse, you can send them including photos and explanations to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That is sundayschooldropouts.lol, not sundayschooldropouts.com. We want to thank Elise Carlton, as always, for our logo and art. Uh, We want to thank Nico for his sound engineering, music, and sound editing. And you can follow him on SoundCloud. He's soundcloud.com slash Nico Bakulich. N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. You can also follow Lauren on Twitter. She's at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille does. That's with an A. And if you want to, I don't know, give us like five or like six stars. I mean, you can only give us five, but you could like give us five and pretend that it's six Mm -hmm. on iTunes. Strong choice. Or Apple Podcasts. Uh, we We would super appreciate it. It's super helpful to help other people find the show. And if we get to 100 reviews, we'll force Nico to join Twitter at gunpoint and knifepoint and swordpoint. Mm -hmm. It's a gun with a knife strapped to the front and a sword strapped to the back. It's very intimidating. And dangerous for everyone involved. If you can't do that, tell someone else about the podcast, like a friend of yours who knows what's up, because they've got good taste. We will love you forever for it. Otherwise, that will do it for tonight's episode of Sunday school dropouts and we'll see you on sunday we'll see you on sunday bye bye kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>